Hello, and welcome to the Paper Cuts Podcast, issue 34. I am your host, Dan Ryan, and with me this week are Evan Goldstein and Dean DeFalco. I'm assuming, because I'm, this is going to be a little bit of a weird show this week, I'm recording this first bit by myself on my couch without talking to either of them, because tomorrow, Sunday, is Mother's Day, and I have an amazing wife, and she is an amazing mother, and she deserves the day off. And scheduling just didn't work out. So you get me. I'm then going to pass the show off to Dean and Evan. They're going to talk about the stuff that they've read. I have no idea what that stuff is going to be. Through the magic of editing, we're going to put it all together. And it's going to be a a fabulous show, I am sure. Pretty much, I am just going to go through this week's Convergence books. Because I, I just, I couldn't bring myself to read anything else after after reading these and it, it, this isn't going to be very long so basically here we go we are in the first week of the second set of issues for all of the convergence two-part books that came out so last month we had 44 issues that came out of just a bunch of different heroes being trapped and telos you know told them all that they were going to have to fight and they all told the same story. Everybody's trapped under a dome. They don't have any superpowers, yada, yada. And at the end of the book, it was like, oh, we're going to get into a big fucking fight now. This month starts the big fucking fight. And I suppose I shouldn't be surprised because of how the series has gone so far and how incredibly predictable and by the numbers it has been. But, uh, spoilers, if your name is on the title of the book, or if you're friends with the person whose name is on the front of the book, you win. Don't even get hurt a little bit. And you don't actually, like, kill the other people, even though that's what Tello said you were going to have to do. You just fight them and, like, be... and uh, So, here... Here are your winners for week one. All right, here are the books that came out. Uh, Batgirl, Batman and Robin, Harley Quinn, Justice League, Nightwing and Oracle, Speed Force, Superman, The Atom, The Question, and Titans. They all won. Big fucking surprise. It, I, like I said, I should, I should not be surprised, but I really thought that DC would, would give us something a little bit different maybe a a shock here or there (laughs) like somebody getting like I said nobody even gets hurt right the the biggest like almost shock came when Renee Montoya looked like she was gonna you know was gonna die after her fight as the question and Batwoman comes in and gives her CPR and she's brought back to life and everything's good so all the heroes win. And on top of that, and and here's where I have a, a, a major issue with what DC is doing going forward. The main book, Convergence number five, did about as much to advance the plot as any of the books have done so far. In issue number four, the cliffhanger from, from last issue was that Deimos had called Brainiac back to the planet. And everybody was, oh, shit what's gonna happen now Brainiac's back 
Deimos had absorbed all the power of the Time Masters, and he was like, nah, it's cool, I got this, I'm in control. And actually, as if you couldn't see it coming, I'm an evil prick. So here's all the evil prick things that I'm going to do. And in this issue, Deimos continues to be an evil prick. He's fighting the Earth 2 superheroes, so, the, you know, Superman and and Jay Garrick in the cool Flash costume, and Dick Grayson is still kind of wrapped in that weird silver metal-y stuff that, Demo, that, uh, that Telos had wrapped around him so that he could walk again after the Joker paralyzed him. And they're all sitting there talking to Deimos. He's just kind of monologuing throughout most of the issue. There's some... It's interspersed with some some fighting that Warlord is doing. I don't know the Warlord character. I don't know if it's a big deal in DC Comics or not. They, they're sort of making him a big deal here. But he's doing some fighting, and he's got his... Uh, he's I don't know if it's his wife or his lover or whatever, but this girl named Tara, I don't know who she is. She dies in the issue. I don't know if that was a big impactful moment for anyone who read it. I'm sure there is a, a huge Warlord fan out there that was absolutely crushed by this. And while I respect that, the storytelling that was done in the issue itself never gave me enough to care. It was like, oh, she's dead. Okay, whatever. Meanwhile, while all that fighting is going on, Deimos is talking to Brainiac and he says, I know who Telos is. I have figured it out and I'm going to let him know who he was because he's not actually the living embodiment of the planet. He was once a man and he had a family and Brainiac, you showed up to this planet and said you were going to destroy the entire planet. And Telos, the warrior, the man at the time came to you and said, if I serve you, will you send my family away? And apparently he did. And then turned him into this thing. <coughs> so he, he turned them in, into this god and gave him all this power and then collected all the planets and, you know, started the whole convergence thing because Telos's planet was going to be the the ideal ground to start this fight on. And... Okay, so he gets his memories back and the Earth 2 heroes are really excited because now they can use Telos to help them fight against Deimos, who's now become the actual bad guy of the story. And and sure, that's fine, but Telos is kind of flip-flopping back and forth between, no, I'm a man, but no, I serve Brainiac, but no, I'm a man, no, I serve Brainiac. It's just really overly written and kind of nonsensically dramatic for what actually doesn't end up happening in the story. The The last part of this book, the very end, mirrors what had happened in the previous month's worth, worth of issues of Telos showing up and giving that same speech that he had given that we'd talked about of, I have brought this convergence upon you and you are going to fight and whatever. Deimos gives the same speech and says, I have banished the person that has brought this convergence upon you, and you don't need to fight anymore, and I will protect your lives. I've saved your life, and I will protect your life for a price. You need to pledge your lives to me. So, 
I ask you, dear listeners of the Paper Cuts podcast, and I hope that somebody at DC is listening to this, if in issue five of Convergence you have told me that the fighting is over, yet there are still 33 more issues coming out over the next three weeks of fighting between some characters why do I give a shit it's already over you've told me that the next 33 issues 33 issues at $4 a pop you have told me this week that none of them matter and if I had read Convergence number 5 first this week I would have realized that 44 issues don't matter that's a really ballsy move on your part, on the, on the part of DC, to think that the stories are that good, that what's being put out is that good, that people are going to want to read these books where they know that the title character is going to win, and they know that even if the title character does win, it doesn't matter. That is just so crazy to me. I... I I just really don't get it. Out of this week's Convergence books, the only one I can even recommend picking up is Superman number two, because just like last month, Dan Jurgens writes an amazing pre-New 52 Superman. Norm Rapamund does some absolutely incredible artwork, just very, very classic superhero Superman artwork. Buy that book if you're a Superman fan. It was it was really well done. Ultimately, it doesn't matter in the big picture of what's coming in Convergence and in DC Comics. But if you're looking for a, a DC fix this week, that would be the one. I really cannot tell you to stay as far away from this series as 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 just avoid it like the plague. And that's it. That's all I got. Ten minutes from me this week. I'm going to pass the show off to Dean and Evan. Hopefully they read some really great stuff. Evan is going to start us off this week talking about Marvel's Secret Wars, which I haven't even had a chance to read yet because Convergence depressed me so bad. So, gentlemen, happy Mother's Day. Have a great show. I'll talk to you guys next week. Thanks a lot, Dan. How you doing, everybody? It's Evan Goldstein here, and I am going to catch you all up on Secret Wars. <sighs> okay, just keep in mind, this is not Secret Wars for, you know, way back when, when the Beyonder came around and he started screwing with the Marvel Universe. And it's not Secret Wars 2, where the Beyonder came back and decided that he wanted enlightenment, you know, just to figure out why things always go the way they do. And it is definitely not Secret War, the highly underrated Brian Michael Bendis and Gabriel Delato joint, which is personally one of my favorites. If you haven't read it, you really should pick it up. This is Secret Wars 2015, the full reboot of the Marvel Universe. Now, if you pay attention to the internets and what Marvel tells you, your catch-up reading material should be everything. I'm not kidding. Everything in the Marvel Universe, everything in the Ultimate Universe... I mean, to, to fully understand this, apparently you had to read everything. Now, I have not. 
So I'm going to give you the sort of little cheats around it. Now, I had to go back one week and figure out which books I should really look at to, to get me going for this story. And it turns out really only need two. You need Avengers number 44 and New Avengers number 33. Now, I started with New Avengers 33, where we get a look in the background of what's going on with uh, Doom. Because apparently, Victor Von Doom is a complete badass now, and he has taken care of business. Uh, I don't know how long ago he was given the job of going around and taking out all the alternate universes' versions of the Molecule Man. Because what happened is the Beyonders, now there's more than one, have made Molecule Man a living bomb. And he is now triggered, and he is going to explode. And every time he explodes, he takes out a universe with him. So, Doom has to go around and kill off each individual Molecule Man to stop the inevitable downfall of all of the multiverse. Doom starts rocking around, doing things for a little while. For about seven years, apparently, he's time-traveling and universe-hopping. And then he starts a little following. And his following consists of swans. Uh, it's a character, female. And he's just grabbing these girls from each of the universes. And they help him in his mission to take out as many Molecule Men as he can before the end. In Avengers, New Avengers 33, we get the background story. It's a very, it's a pretty much a one-on-one -on -one between Doom and Molecule Man, where Molecule Man is explaining, you know, bit for bit, what's happening, what he needs to do, why he needs to do it, which is really simple. He's gonna blow. You gotta go and take care of it. That's it. You gotta stop it. We get to see that. In all of the multiverse, there are different versions of the same people. And that's a standard fare. There's, you know, a number of different Doctor Dooms, if you will. But there's only one version of the Molecule Man. And that's why he is the trigger. He is the one that will, in essence, destroy the multiverse. We get glimpses on to, in, in this book where wh how he is actually taking care of business. Um, really, it's kind of vicious. Just stabbing Molecule Men left and right sort of teams up with Doctor Strange so that he can fully explain what's going on and why he's doing what he's doing. And at the end of this issue, Doom reveals that he has figured out how to defeat the Beyonders. And it turns out that he can time jump and go through different universes and all that stuff, and the Beyonders can't. They are based on a linear timeline, so things just have to play out for them, which I guess is kind of a trope. It sort of locks them into, you know, this this one particular path where Doom becomes, in essence, more powerful than them, so he can do whatever he needs to do to take care of the situation. We get some really, really beautiful art, like I said, written by Hickman. Artist is Mike Diodato. Uh, did a very good job. Beautiful, beautiful stuff. And it catches you up on the backstory of Doom, the behind the scenes. Now, in Avengers 44, we get a on-the-ground background of what's actually happening on the planet. This is pretty much a back-and-forth between Old Man Cap and Douchebag Iron Man. We're given a glimpse into what is actually 
the plan for six one for you know Marvel six one six. Apparently, Tony Stark has designed a machine, a, a a weapon to take out the opposing planet. Now, the way this is working out is that all the universes in pairs of two are sort of overlapping each other and wiping each other out. It seems that 616 and 1610, which is the ultimate universe, they know what's happening and they are putting up a defense to stop it. So Tony builds this big old gun and prepares to destroy the other planet before they destroy each other. Now while all of that is going on, we get a glimpse over at 1610 and we have Nick Fury and a really douchebaggy version of um, Mr. Fantastic. It's a, a young Reed Richards, Hawkeye. Mr. Fantastic is given the breakdown of everything that's going on, what he, what they on their universe need to do, and Nick Fury is, has a problem believing him. So they show that, you know, Thanos and a couple of others from the six one six universe are are trapped there. So I guess Nick decides, all right, he's telling the truth, so we got to do what we got to do. And we go over back to 616 where Black Panther is telling the president this is happening. There's nothing we can do. The world is going to end. Our universe as we know it is done. Deal with it. So the ultimate universe decides that they are going to portal into the 616 universe and do an advanced strike to try to wipe them out while at the same time the 616 universe is going to try to blow up the, the ultimate universe and like they go now it all seems to be puppet mastered by the mr fantastics because on the 616 side he has built a life raft where he is going to take the most intelligent scientists and make it so that if all goes to hell, which everybody is just assuming is going to happen, that they're able to rebuild and repopulate and do what needs to be done to keep the human race alive. There's some really intense conversation between Old Man Cap and Iron Man, how Old Man Cap was played by Tony because Tony knew this was going to happen. Uh, he knew that they were never going to win, uh, that there was no chance in hell that this weapon of his was going to work. I mean, there's a great battle scene between the two of them. You know, costumes, well, suits of iron being destroyed. And it's just, you can see that there has been a, a relationship built between the two of them that is now done. It's it's destroyed. It's never going to be back the way it was. That pretty much catches us up on the Earthbound side. So you got your basic plot for the ultimate, ultimate, ultimate universe where Reed Richards is sort of the puppet master. And then on the 616 side, we got Tony Stark being sort of the puppet master, building and designing weapons to hopefully make it so that his universe survives. So, that was last week's books. This week, we only had one. It's actually Secret Wars number one. It's part of an eight-issue miniseries, and there's going to be some other stuff after that, which I'll get to in a bit. But, it's a, this one's written by Hickman, art by Asad Ribic. It was stunning looking. The art was, I mean, top notch. Hickman did a great job writing. I was enthralled in the whole story, and I don't really read that much Marvel anymore, but I was engrossed the entire time. Page turner, serious page turner. But it, the, the book opens up, 
with a quick recap of those two books that I just explained, where we have Doom, Molecule Man, and Doctor Strange going to the universe of the Beyonders, going to the, the, the zone where the Beyonders live. It's 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 a sort it's a confrontation of sorts where doom is saying i am doom i'm the man beyonders are like eh, not really we're kind of powerful we are going to end up taking you down because you know it's what we want so then we flash back over to the actual 616 and 1610 earths fighting each other the ultimate universe tries they put forth a fantastic effort with a bunch of shield ships flying in and trying to catch them the 616 universe off guard, it really doesn't go well for them. Lots of explosions, uh, lots of death. Shockingly enough, in one book, we got Rocket Raccoon death, a invisible woman death, and I think the Fantastic Kids died as well. So, it's like a, you know, no holds barred type of situation where we're going to see characters popping off left and right. The way it's set up is that Mr. Fantastic from the 616 universe is in his life raft with his wife, uh, Black Panther, Johnny, the thing, and we are getting a glimpse of what actually is happening. Uh, there is a character named Manifold who is hooked up to this machine. I have no idea who that is. Um, I really didn't get much. All I know is that he seems to be very powerful, and the whole plan is sort of riding on him. Um, there are two scenarios. Everything goes according to plan, and we launch, and everything goes fine. And then there's plan two, where everything goes completely wrong, and Manifold takes over and does what he needs to do. So now we're in the middle of a fight between Iron Men and Spider-Men and Thors and Storms, and it's it's just, like I said, action-packed nonstop. We get a couple of points where we are, st- like, the same stories are happening on both sides but just from different points of view we got a nice little tit for tat back and forth with rocket and you know how these these ultimate universers are just begging to be blown out of the sky we get a, a fastball special with say, colossus and hulk where colossus throws hulk through a shield ship pretty badass not gonna lie like i said it's trying to to show all of this devastation and destruction in one issue and you know what they 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 did it they knocked it out of the park there's this one little bit where they're showing how all of the bad guys of the marvel universe are sort of held up in this bar and they're watching everything on the television and it's like it 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 seems that wilson fisk has invited everybody and like all the drinks are on him and then like it's just a one page little little just a snippet of how we're supposed to feel about this whole thing and got a bunch of you know marvel bad guys sitting around chugging a couple of brews and of course the punisher walks in and we don't see it but we know he took out everybody in in the building he took out everybody every bad guy in one room he had enough bullets i'm sure of it every every bad guy's taken care of back to the fighting we got the ship has taken off we got the life raft floating away. There's something going on with Cyclops and a egg, a phoenix egg. I'm really not sure what that is or where it comes from, but I can only assume that the phoenix power will be reborn out of it. I'm putting egg and phoenix together there. Cyclops 
takes that and apparently absorbs the Phoenix Force. But as that's happening, the life raft, uh, it, it just starts going haywire and the the secondary protocol is taken into effect they can't they had a a a meetup with a number of the other scientists that couldn't get to the ship on time and and black widow's flying that ship and she's like it ain't gonna happen we ain't making it black widow i'm assuming dies because the whole plane goes down secondary protocol has to go into effect and i'm not sure how they decided or you know what the basis for them to be on the ship is but manifold does this thing and all of a sudden a number of heroes are teleported onto the life raft i'm not really i don't know i guess peter parker showing up there he's a relatively intelligent guy but i don't know if he's the you know the most intelligent you know to to repopulate cyclops ends up there female thor uh, there's, you know, a couple of other characters. They just get teleported onto the ship. It continues with this, you know, breakneck speed. And as the ship is taking, it, it, you know, is lifting off the ground, there is a lightning strike, which, you know, is a, there's a, a catastrophic failure. It takes off a huge section of this life raft. And the chunk that is floating away seems to be housing most of the fantastic folk um invisible woman you know johnny's on the on on that section of the ship the kids thing reed does his best to try to save them but he's just too late and the universes collide and in some way shape or form both the 616 universe and the 1610 universe have come to an end the closeout of the book is a interesting, it's a single page of what appears to be the life raft landed on some planet. Here's hoping that it keeps up at this pace because this was really, really entertaining. I didn't feel lost. It was like, yeah, there was a lot of information, but everything was explained pretty well for me to catch on, even though I haven't read it just about any of these books. Now, when it comes to the follow-up, we have this being an eight-issue miniseries, which is great. Uh, not too short, not too long. I'm hoping that if we get as much story in the rest of the issues as we did in this one, it's going to be a great, great book or a great run of books. But after that, we have a couple of other Secret Wars tie-ins, if you will. It'll be Secret Wars Last Days, Secret Wars Battle World, and Secret Wars War Zone. Now, at some point in time, if you popped into your local comic book shop they had the new york bulletin uh, titled everything ends it's usually a freebie that you know local comic shops carry give out to their customers and it gives an, a, a really good explanation of what's coming up for the secret wars event i mean it's it's it starts off with eight months later and then it gives a brief description of everything that's happening post secret war um it also gives a nice little uh, back reading for the original Secret Wars, Secret Wars 2, and the current run. So it it's, gives a lot of great information that you may, if you have the ability, check it out, pick it up. Like I said, it's a freebie usually. And, you know, that's that. You know, top notch. Two thumbs up. I really, really enjoyed it. I did not expect to enjoy it as much as I did, but I get a little gun shy when it comes to events now, especially universe changing events. So with that being said, 
as you can tell, it's just me right now. So I'm going to hopefully pass it off to Dean. He's going to wrap this up, tie it all up nicey-nice with a pretty pink bow, and finish us off. Hey, guys. Dean here, a.k.a. The Finisher, a.k.a. Vestlord, a.k.a. whatever dumbass name I could think of. I'm here to tell you about some books today that I read that I didn't really read anything this week, as usual, because... I didn't like any of the books that came out. I did read Secret Wars, but we already talked about that, and I agree with Evan. It's great, and I want more. It's got that awesome Alex Ross type of art. In fact, he even does the cover, so great book. I don't need to say anything more about it. You should just fucking read it because Evan said so, and Evan knows everything about comic books. The end. Besides that, I happen to read the whole Silver Surfer story going on right now with Mike Allred and Dan Slott, and I gotta say, that book is awesome, with one caveat. If you don't like Doctor Who, don't read it, because it is exactly Doctor Who. It has the same general plot to it, so I didn't really particularly think it was all that original i do like a new take on this wayward traveler picking up like an earth girl and them going on adventures and everything and it is very like emotional too the last couple issues were very very emotional and i was like damn this book is pretty freaking good but it's only good for people who like doctor who if you don't like doctor who don't read the book you're not gonna like it uh, besides that, the art is really cool. Mike Allred has, just has this very unique way of drawing things. I haven't seen it before too often. It's almost like a, uh, like a, a modern 60s design uh, to everything that he draws. He did it with Batman for a little while, and now he's doing it on the Silver Surfer, but it seems to fit in really, really well with the Silver Surfer. Uh, it's got a very vibrant colors to the entire book, but mainly because they're in space. And it just it fits so well with the entire, um, what's the word I'm looking for? The entire feel of the book. That's what I'm looking for. The entire feel. So with that, read The Silver Surfer. It's awesome. I totally think everyone should read it who likes Doctor Who or at least sci-fi stuff in general. It's definitely worth at least that. Uh, besides that, there was the Ultimate Spider-Man books that I read because I was like, well... I read the first trade a while back, and I was violently sick on Sunday. So I was like, let me catch up and read some stuff. So I happened to read that, and man, that stuff is awesome. They're Why they're getting rid of any sort of like ultimate line, or at least the ultimate comic Spider-Man, kind of bums me out because it was a fresh take on Spider-Man that you haven't really seen before. Uh, first it started with Peter Parker, then, spoiler alert, for a very, very old booker, like at least... Oh, it's probably going on six or seven years now. Uh, Peter dies, and he's dead dead in this book, like Uncle Bed dead. He he does not come back. So with that, um, Miles Morales, this, this new character, takes over the Spider-Man mantle, and he's totally different than Peter. He wants to be Peter, and he wants to live up to that Spider-Man uh, uh, fame and uh, persona but he has trouble doing it, and this story is kind of his coming into grips with being the new Spider-Man and doing what he can to save people and make things right. However, things don't always go his way, and he's only 13 years old, and it makes for like a really interesting story. 
about you know just just a kid who who has enough problems being a teenager and now he has this huge weight thrown above him which is being a one of the biggest superheroes in New York City and I mean I I think it's it's a fantastic book just for anyone who you know wants to read more about Spider-Man or you know maybe wants something relatable uh the book is very relatable when he's not being Spider-Man so I mean I I think it's totally worth uh a read also a lot of those characters you've come to love, like Mary Jane Watson, uh, Gwen Stacy, Aunt May, Iron Man, Captain America, Nick Fury, they all show up. The Ultimates Universe is pretty cool, and the fact that they were able to restart something without killing the main line of books and make something of it was very impressive on its own. So, with that, I would say read some Ultimate Comics Spider-Man. I'm going to keep this a bit short, just because uh, I've I've... I've, I'm still a little under the weather, so <laughs> there's that. Uh, so with that, guys, remember to check out our show notes and everything. Uh, we have all our stuff lifts there. We'll be back next week with a real regular show, we promise. And it'll be much more entertaining because there will be a lot more crosstalk. And I can't be that fun to listen to by myself. I mean, I probably am. I'm probably, I'm probably pretty awesome. But regardless... Anyway, guys, remember to check out the show notes. We'll see you guys next week for another issue of Paper Cuts. Bye-bye!